Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as chief of staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the chief of staff isn't just a title of person. It represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Arti, how has your week gone so far? I guess it's Monday. So how has your Monday gone so far? <laughs> Monday's good. Monday's good. It's been a it's been a good busy Monday, but also kind of excited to slowly come into the week. Yes. Yeah, so to jump right in, you and I have very similar career trajectories. So we both did the corporate thing and ran in the corporate world, and we were chiefs of staff. Mm-hmm. And then we branched out into our coaching practice. So it was crazy meeting up with you and hearing all the similarities. For the listeners, can you just do a brief snapshot of your corporate career and what that looked like, including the two times you were chief of staff? Yes. And before I get started, yes, it's been a delight to meet you and to be in your ecosystem. Listeners, Emily's uh, Emily's a boss, so I'm really glad you're listening. I'll give you your $20 <laughs> later. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that $20 later. But anyway, back, back to kind of my journey. So I started my career in management consulting as, as many do. So I started there and learned a lot. It was like a professional playground for me to really understand what it means to actually be in business. But I also knew that I wanted to work on in social impact. And so I went for management consulting and I worked at an ed tech nonprofit that essentially ran like a startup. And I played a bunch of different roles. I kind of call that time of my life is my career growing up, where I was there for five years and really like learned what it meant to take those management consulting skills and apply them to, you know, industry. And then I kind of hit this place where I was like, well, now what? And I had come across Brian Ramau, who used to be Jeff Weiner, Jeff Weiner's chief of staff. Jeff Weiner is a former CEO of LinkedIn. His chief of staff is Brian Ramau. And he had this 20-minute video. It was like, it's still on. It's like a free 20-minute video on like, what does it mean to be a chief of staff? And I watched it and I was like, that's me. I should be that. <laughs> like, this is my next thing. And so I don't know, it was probably some kind of like manifestation I put out in the world. And I got an opportunity to work at change.org to be the chief of staff for the product development team. So I first started working for an engineering leader. And then we recognized, hey, engineering alone doesn't make sense. It should be engineering and product. And we added on design. So it was really me becoming chief of staff for the product development team. Um, And then really enjoyed that and learned really what it meant to be a chief of staff at change and going from being a part of a team to then kind of going back to being an individual contributor was was a big learning. And then came out of that and wanted to go back into ed education. So I worked at an ed tech startup called Guild Education, where I was chief of staff for a, a leader named Paul Friedman. And I was chief of staff for him and his learning marketplace organization. And I did that for about a year and a half and then moved on to uh, be a leader within people operations. I was director of people operations because I recognized as chief of staff, the things that spiked for me were operations related work and people related work. And so that's not everyone's chief of staff journey, but that was mine. 
And then from there, it took some time finally to myself, took a break and thank you. And have just had just been reflecting and recognized how powerful coaching had been for me when I was chief of staff and had my own coach. And then um I was like, what would it look like for me to offer coaching specifically for chiefs of staff? So that's that's what's brought me to this present day. Wow. Thank you. That was an exciting story. So that just gives context for you and I will get into, I guess we'll get into it now. So you wrote this article, I think nine things to know in your chief of staff. And I'm wondering if like figure it outness or go, you know, proactiveness is uh-huh. some somehow on that list. Cause for me, when people say, what is the one skill that you have to have as chief of staff? I'm like adaptability, but you also have to just go figure stuff out. Yeah. 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 For sure. In this article, you know, I was a, I was at the end of my tenure as chief of staff at Guild Education, and I was about to start that people team role. And I was like, well, I don't want to like forget all of this stuff. So I just bundled it in in writing, which I, you know, was was a new thing for me to do at the time. And now I'm getting a lot more comfortable writing and looking at you, so who's written two books. You know, you're, you're, you're the inspiration. You're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. <laughs> I recognized, you know, so for, so I know definitely this like just make it happen. It's like this you know, GSD get shit done nature. You don't necessarily have the answer, but you definitely like can figure out the answer. And it's like a hunger that you have. And that's definitely something that I deem so critical to the chief of staff role. When I've, you know, people ask me like, what do you think is the most, one of the most important characteristics of being a chief of staff? And I was like, you just need to have this like true hunger to, to want to grow, to want to learn, to want to just like get in the weeds and figure it out. And something I actually highlight in my article is the power of delegation. I wrote delegate, delegate, delegate as one of the nine things that you should do. Because as chief of staff, as you know, and as many of our listeners probably know, you you are juggling so many, many things that come your way. You're juggling things that you have on your roadmap, as well as you're reacting to things that your principal and your executive team is throwing at you. And you need to keep kind of all of those balls in the air. You, You can't really let any of them drop. But you're only one person. <laughs> and something that was a really big unlock for me was with my principal. I kind of had this moment actually where I was just chief of staff and I was like, I'm kind of, I'm like drowning. Like, I don't think I can keep all these balls up. And he was like, hey, Arthi, I just want you to know, I will continue to give you these things, but my expectation is that they get done, not that you do them all. Mm, good distinction. Yep. And that was really an unlock for me. It was like, oh, I just need to make sure that all these balls don't drop. But I don't need to be holding all of them. Yeah. There's a difference between being like directly responsible for doing this task and accountable to making sure this task gets done. Exactly. And so much of being a, a chief of staff is catalyzing action. Yeah. You know, you have to, you are someone that has so much access. You are, as Hamilton says, you're, you're in the room where it happens, right? <laughs> you really are. And you have so much information, you know, what's coming down the pipeline, you know, you know, you know about how leaders are making decisions and you really, you start to be this person that can identify gaps. You're like, oh, this is actually an area that we need to get better at. And so I'm actually going to work on that. I'm going to work on filling this gap with a project or with a new team or whatever it might be. But as chief of staff, you physically, <laughs> time-wise, you mathematically, you cannot, yeah. <laughs> cannot be the person that is seeing those things to the end. You just cannot be. So you're often this like catalyzer. You like start something and you make it, you know, alive during that zero to three thinking. But really to get it to its implementation, aka that, you know, four to 10, 
you need to hand it off to a team that can own it. Yeah. You have your, you're holding the structure or mechanism through which it'll develop. And then you're empowering other people to, to do their piece in it. So yeah, exactly. that's, that's brilliant. Since you were chief of staff two times, what were, what were some of the differences? I think if I have it right, you were in a product engineering environment yeah. in your first instance. And then in the second one, it was, was it over the whole company? Your chief. It was of- not the whole company. It was, it was for a leader that sat on the C team, C suite okay. team. So there were about three or four leaders on the C-suite and they had their own chiefs of staff. So there were about three or four of us. Okay. And so we were like, you know, the organization I was chief of staff for was about 100 to 150 people within this larger company. What was different? What was different? And what was maybe the same about being chief of staff for one specific department and then kind of being a chief of staff for a a C-suite member? Such a good question. You know, I think being a chief of staff in my first job, product development, one, you you have to learn the lingo of, of whatever you're working for, right? So I had never worked in product or engineering. This was my first time stepping in. And I quickly became very accustomed to understanding what product and engineering leaders were focused on and were thinking about, right? And so again, I think it goes back to that hunger. I was, I didn't shy away from that. You have to really lean into that and you need to be comfortable asking a lot of questions, like getting in the know. And for my second chief of staff role, it was in higher education. So it was really this, this, this learning marketplace team that was focused, focused on academic partnerships and understanding the higher education landscape and all of the nuances with that. Both of those, both product and engineering and in higher education specifically, I didn't have experience in. <laughs> So you're learning a lot. You're, you know, so I, I would actually say there's probably more similarities than differences. If I'm going to be really frank, I think another similarity is is leadership teams, right? Um, in both instances, the leadership team at the first company was probably like five to seven leaders, and similarly with the second company, you have your principal and they manage a leadership team. And so I was basically that glue for that leadership team, which then handles the entire product and eng org or that academic partnerships org, right? Um, and so I think those two things actually become quite quite similar. I'm really trying to rack my brain on differences. Obviously, context of leader, I think, is really key, Ooh. right? Like, as chief of staff, you are so closely in alignment with your principal. And personalities come into play, leadership styles come into play, what they care about, how they interact, What is their reputation within the company actually really comes into play. So I recognized at my second company, this, that my principal was like the most popular person at the company. (laughs) Everyone wanted his time. And so him hiring me as his chief of staff meant that everyone was listening to me too. Wow. Just by proxy versus my first job. I think the person I was, initially the person I was working for was still trying to find their footing at the company. Hmm. But I felt like it was harder for me to establish even myself. Interesting. Okay. And then did you get any pushback from people? Because you just made it sound like, oh, I just you know came in, worked with my principal. He was, they were so popular. And then people respected me. Was that as easy as you made it sound? Or was that like, no, there were some, there were some conversations that had to happen? There's always conversations. It would be amazing if you could just jump into a job and be like, everyone respects me. And everyone yeah. respects me. And they're like, oh, because... This person that I respect has hired her. She must be brilliant. And and to be honest, some people literally did just deem it that way, which is which is phenomenal. And I feel very lucky. But of course, there are conversations, especially in a chief of staff role. People are like, "What is your job?" Yes. Yep. 
what do you, so it's, it's, a, I hear this title a lot, like, but I have no idea what you actually do. Yeah. So something that I actually s- support my clients with is I, I encourage them to create a, a walking deck mm-hmm. and a walking deck really is a, an understanding of the role in, in live format. So it's like, I, from what I understand, this is what I'm focused on as chief of staff, right? But as those priorities change, I change that walking deck. I literally am like, okay, actually, I thought it was these five things. It's actually this version of those five things. And I'm, and and by the way, I'm latching on a six. Oh, and now I actually have like a few direct reports, right? So you, you change this walking deck and it gives you the confidence and understanding of what your job is, as well as it is a very quick way for other people to understand what you do. I love that. I love that. And I think so many times we get fixated on, let's set the priorities for the year to have this big, you know, retreat or offsite, whatever. And that's all well and fine. And then no one touches base with the priorities through the whole year. It's like, oh, it's December. Let's, let's revisit those priorities. So, so keeping a pulse on things and then asking, do we need to adapt? Has the market changed? Has the internal structure changed? You know, what, what has been thrown at us that was unexpected? So yeah, that's a great, great call out there. There's also something I wrote in the article is, uh, prioritization and reprioritization as being one of the things you need to focus on as chief of staff. It's like, of course, there's a company priorities like you're talking about, right? You can set OKRs and annual goals, and even those will probably change. But as chief of staff, your priorities can change week to week, you know? Day to day sometimes, yeah. Yeah, day to day sometimes. <laughs> so you need to get really comfortable with like creating these frameworks in your brain and like keeping yourself sane by saying, okay, this is like my weekly priority. And I, I still do this now. And I, I'm not a chief, I'm not a working chief of staff, if you will, but I still set my like weekly priorities. And that's like something I've carried forward. And I need to do it every Monday. I need to set like, what am I trying to achieve this week? And things will change. Things will evolve and change. And that's the, that's the dynamic of being on a leadership team as chief of staff and supporting leaders that are moving very quickly. That is too funny because I do the same thing. And I also brought that over from chief of staff. So on Mondays, I'll rapidly write down the top three priorities and then, you know, write down where they're, where they're blocked in. But that is too funny. So yes. So listeners, if you don't have this practice yet, you might want to try on a Monday or just once a week, whatever day works for you, write your priorities down and check in with them. So that's a great takeaway. Because you mentioned that you're walking, you're walking tour and what am I actually working on? So many chiefs of staff have trouble explaining, like, they're like, I'm the chief of staff. And people are like, okay, great, good for you. What do you do? So just as a quick example from, you know, from one of your times as chiefs of staff, what was something that you worked on, like an actual tactical project or initiative? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's like, it's a, it's a question that's like, there's so many little things and then there's, and it can get so muddied so quickly. So as people listening, it's, it's important to also remember to write down your wins and, and keep them in a place because things are going to move very quickly. So one thing as chief of staff that I worked on was, uh, I call it, it was a strategic initiative, but it was related to operations. The way that I define what you do as chief of staff, just quick buckets. You do business operations, you work on strategic initiatives, and you're a thought partner. That's generally how I define the role. There's many ways to define it. That happens to be the three buckets that feel most resonant. Within strategic initiatives, I was working to actually change something re- regarding operations. So I recognized that the, the team that I was working on was new. It had just gotten acquired. The company had gotten acquired, and the leader I was working for was this former CEO, now on the leadership team, and I was his chief of staff. 
they had a they had trouble articulating what they were focused on and what what was the communication. So I essentially recognized there wasn't a strong communi- there weren't strong communication channels and there wasn't a rhythm of business behind those communication channels. So it was really thinking about how can we set an operating cadence that one makes us efficient, but more than us, everyone else needs to know in the company what we're actually doing. And so I was doing things like, okay, what would it look like for the leader, of course, to have like a, you know, a monthly newsletter email that goes out to say like, hey, this is what we're focused on for the entire company to know or for specific stakeholders to know. I was also doing things like, okay, great. Here's a time for you to get to know the leader. And he's going to do, he's a, higher, he's a higher education expert. So we were doing things like debates. So him and another leader oh, cool. company would do like a literal debate on topics. And one would take one stance and the other would take the other stance and they would debate. And so it was a moment for the rest of the company to understand the higher education landscape, but in a, in a context of, of debate, which ended up being playful, but really informative. Yeah, I've um, never heard of that. That's a, that's a good idea from the, it's brave to go out and like, I'm going to debate you in front of the whole company. Totally. And, you know, I'm, I personally, I would be very nervous to do it, but my <laughs> leader, you know, he's an expert in the space. He, he knows what he's talking about. So he was like, yeah, I'm actually really comfortable. And I, I he was, you know, I recognize also his leadership style. He's like, I actually don't really like when people just like, I go into a room and you're like, ask me anything. It feels like too, a little too performative, feels awkward. The questions might not show up. So instead of us not instead of us doing it that way, how about I, you know, get to know people by actually sharing sharing some information about the higher education landscape? Yeah, that's so funny. Our CEO did do the kind of ask me anything. So he would do quarterly updates. We'd have our board meeting, and then we would do like an all company meeting after that just to share the major updates. And at the end, there'd be a Q&A where he would get up live in front of everyone and people could ask him anything they wanted. And he was known for, you know, taking the tough questions and everything. And people would try to make him really uncomfortable and make him dance. But he was so good. Uh-huh. He was so Wait, good. I was like, dancing. I mean, well, he was he was like they were tough questions and they oh they tough questions. I, I was literally thinking at some point he like enjoyed dancing, but no. I they mean, wouldn't. you don't want to see him dancing. He was he's a brilliant <laughs> man, but not a good not a great dancer. Um, brilliant with numbers, but people would I like I would be nervous for that, right? If people were like yeah. that for me, but he yeah. thrived on that. So yeah, and that's you know you really need to understand what are your strengths of your principal. Where do they really yeah. like? It is your job as chief of staff to to make them the most effective leaders, right? And that's also leadership presence. Yeah. It's it's what's the best way for them to have influence. You have to really think about all these nuances. And, and just going quickly back on you know this project that I was working on around communications, I think me just thinking about it right now, something that was so critical was that this is a it, it was a big company. I needed to really think about stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So I had to think about communication channels for the whole company for our staff, for cross-functional SVPs and VPs and leaders, and then the C team, right? So you really had to think about what is this entire ecosystem that I'm playing with and what are those channels of communication that we're going to need? And Um, I think the information flow throughout the business is so key, right? Because if you make decisions up here and people, you know, in middle management or entry-level folks don't know that that's going on or why or what, what about it affects them, you're not you're not setting it up well for success. So exactly. people, I see people skip that step a lot. So I'm glad you mentioned information flow and also like all directions, right? Top down, up, you know, bottom up, and then sideways so you're not siloed. And I think oh. that goes along to what you were saying with the rhythm of the business. And I know you did a 
this is your jam, right? You did a training <laughs> for Ask a Chief of Staff on this topic. But, you know, that can be daily stand-ups. That can be weekly check-ins, monthly, uh, quarterly, annual, you know, brainstorming. So you really can make that what it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rhythm of business, it is really my jam. I love it. And I, th- I feel like most chiefs of staff will want it to be their their jam because it'll just keep you sane. Having a strong rhythm of business, you know, it's it's an important and not insanely difficult to create, usually document or some kind of visual that allows for, you know, goals to actually be met. The way that I describe rhythm of business is it's, I mean, in music terms, it literally is yeah. this like operating drumbeat, right? That keeps the rest of the company, aka the rest of the band or the instruments on beat, you know, and, and continuing to go. And so you'll have like companies will have these like big goals and OKRs and visions and all that, et cetera. And the rhythm of business really ensures that the how you do it is effective. Yeah. And so as chief of staff, of course, you can be supporting all the goals, but I think your principal in particular needs you to focus on the how while they're in the clouds focusing on the what, right? And I think to a lot of people, I would hear them try to explain what what I did. And they, you know, Emily like keeps us on track and Emily keeps us, you know, he, she organizes everything. And part of it was I was in charge of the leadership meetings every week. I was in charge of our monthly business reviews with our directors and managers. I was in charge of organizing the all company meeting. And so I kept people in that rhythm. And I love, you know, drumbeat, heartbeat type of thing. Yes. When when people are like, I, you know, chief of staff is intangible and I can't really explain it. Like those are the types of things where you go, I do this, but oh yeah, you do do that. And it makes a huge difference, but it's not as as straightforward as like the chief of chief operating officer overseas operations. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a hard part. It's really the hard part of the role is the, is the description. But I, I like to work in metaphors and think in metaphors, but it's a really like this engine. If you think about it, it's like we're the Jesus ever the engine of a of a machine or of a ship or whatever, a car, right? Like it is it's the inner workings that you don't see. You don't see it on the outside, but it's there and it is working hard. And it is making sure the rest of the parts are working. But it, and I don't think we talk about this enough, but it can be a bit of yeah, a bit of a thankless role. <laughs> you know, it can be a role that can feel in- invisible, but it's such a critical, critical role. And that's why I think, you know, like you think about chief of staff and in, in, in sort of, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on words here. But chief of staff and sort of like the politics framework, it's like the West Wing, right? You think about chief of staff in the West Wing. He was literally the president's right hand, but he's never going to be like in the spotlight. That's not his job. It's the president's job to be in the spotlight. His job is to make sure all of the working teams are in alignment. And when something is hitting the fire, he's on top of it and like has got it handled and has got people on it. And like the president continued to be the president and this visionary figure. Yeah. And I think too, you mentioned the rhythm of business and that not being something real tangible someone can grasp onto and say, oh, like Emily does this or Arthi does this. But if they don't happen, then things fall apart a little bit. And so you can tell when they're when they're not going on. And yeah. I think too, certainly it's 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 behind the scenes. And people often go, well, you know, what do you really do? And I'm like, I am working hard and I'm working smart and I'm working on important things. And I would get frustrated when people are like, what what do you do again? And I'm like, oh. face palm, like, okay, here's oh. Here's what I do, but it is yeah. it is kind of a behind the scenes, thankless at times jobs, but one that's oh, when it goes right, man, 
It goes so right. It and it's so rewarding. Changer. Yeah. Game changer. Yes. It's a game changer for the business and it's a game changer for you. I mean, you you will you have a front row seat into the inner workings of how companies are successful. You have you have a literal front row seat. And not just a front row seat, you can you're you're gonna get on stage and like figure it out too. You yeah. Know? So you had this front row seat to kind of the inner workings of how to run a business. Do you use some of that today to run your own coaching practice? <laughs> yeah, it's such a good question. You know, I think as I didn't, I never thought of myself as, I never thought I could be an entrepreneur. I just, I just not some, I've always been like, oh, I'll be the right hand person to someone. And it's kind of wild, Emily, that like now that I have stepped into this coaching, it's felt really seamless. It's felt really like, I mean, I, I knock on when I say this now and watch everything crashes and burns tomorrow. <laughs> no, but like, at least right now, it feels like the who I have become, aka this like operating, you know, like I mentioned, people-oriented operator. It's just if that's my tagline, like it feels really easy to like take those practices and those best practices and apply it to now my own business. And you know, coaching, of course, is the actual coaching. But so much of coaching is the business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, keeping yourself organized, on track, like handling all of the back end systems, finances, emails, business development, right? Like I'm doing a lot of selling now, which I had never had to do, right? And it's, yeah, it's kind of wild how, how, how much of being a chief of staff has helped that. I've heard that over and over from people who have gone on to found companies or go and be a solopreneur. And I, you know, for me, I was in a whole bunch of different departments in the company. Some I was like, I can't code, but I, you know, help set up processes, but I did sales operations. I did marketing. We work for a digital marketing company. And I came in, people threw acronyms at me and I was like, what is a CPC? What's the SEO yeah. now again? And now it's like, I use all those things for my business and certainly the financial kind of, you know, just basic, but you know, P&L and bookkeeping and how you roll that up and do a forecast. Oh, yeah. I use all of that now. So... That's yeah, it, it's being a chief staff. You, you essentially get a mini MBA. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. And it's all this stuff that it's actually even now, even as you're speaking, Emily, I'm like, oh wow, it's kind of this stuff that's in me that I didn't even realize I was learning, but it's all there. And it's because I was constantly in absorption of other leaders, yeah, other totally, executives, totally. SVPs, COOs, right? Like all these people that like really know what they're talking about. And I, I got to just be Im immersed in that. Yeah. That's one of the greatest things about the role. It's so fun. You will not get bored. So if you're listening and you're like, you're, let me, is this the right for me? If you like variety and you like staying on your toes, this is the role for you because <laughs> you would not be bored. If you were talking to a prospective or a current chief of staff and just leaving them with one piece of advice, like a tactical and practical takeaway, what would you, what would you leave them with? Such a good question. I would say... I would say, you know, it, it goes back to this hunger. Try to stay with, try to keep this hunger in you. And, and then also just remember, like, who is your inner leader? Like, what is that leader within that's there? Because you're going to have days where you're burnt out. You're going to have days where you're like, why am I, you know, what, what is even going on here? Am I getting this recognition? You know, you have, it's a very low ego role. You have to have a very low ego. And I think like honing in on this leader within and figuring out what is your leadership presence and who do you want to be as a chief of staff, I think is really important. So many people that I talk to that want to be chief of staff are always really worried about, well, am I, am I like, do I have all of the qualifications to be a chief of staff? Have I done all of the things in my previous life? And I'm like, of course, there are certain elements you want to get like sharp on sure. OKRs and yada, 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 whatever. But 
ultimately your strengths, know what they are and bring that forward, right? Like if you are a phenomenal analyst, bring that forward as a chief of staff and be like, oh, great. Like I would love to help dig into how we handle our data analytics. And like, here's some really great dashboards I think that are going to make us stronger. Or if you're a culture person, like lean into that. Like culture is a really big X factor that I think we forget to talk about sometimes, especially like executive spaces. I know it's obviously, it comes and goes as like a popular topic and then it, you know, but I think if you're a culture leader, like lean into that and be the best culture leader, chief of staff, like get to know every single person on staff, have them trust you, have them get to know you, set a culture that is amazing. So all in all, I'd say that like lean into this leader within, like who who is the best version of you and bring that out as chief of staff. And I think if you don't do that, you're going to get tossed around. You're going to get, because there's so many competing things, pushing and pulling and questioning you, that if you don't have that grounding and that central leadership within you, you could get you could get tossed around pretty easily. So I think that's great advice and people can, you know, take a moment, write it down or just kind of sit with that and simmer on that as they go through their day, but figuring out, okay, what is my grounding and what's my central leadership? I think it's a great thing to, to take away. So, yeah. So, Arthi, this has been awesome. Com- off- oh my gosh. Awesome conversation. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. <laughs> but if people want to know more about you or want to reach out to you to learn more, where can they find you? Yeah, you can. You So my name is Arthi Bhatnagar. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find my website, ArthiBhatnagar.com, where I talk about all of my coaching practices and my consulting practices. So I would love to have a conversation with you if you're interested in chatting. Beautiful. We will have your website, your LinkedIn and the article and uh, your training, if you have a link to that, all in the show notes. So we'll, we'll give the people what they want. But thank you so much again. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to learn from you and just be around another corporate person who's transitioned into coaching for chiefs of staff. Thank you so much, Emily. I so appreciate you and you asking me to be on this podcast. Beautiful. All right. Take care. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 